All right. Hey, um, I have to apologize to you guys. I, um, I did something wrong today. I, um, I approached today's message um, wrong. Sometimes uh, there's a great burden that comes with sharing the gospel. It's like um, you're trying to do everything you can to like hear from the Lord, and then you have to um, interpret God's voice to, to man. And oftentimes there's this big burden. And uh, sometimes I feel responsible, like I have to preach better or say it louder or more clear or more enthusiastically. Or, um, and I can't do that. It's not, um, I can't make somebody hear this more clearly or understand it. And uh, that pressure uh, can become a great deal of anxiety that I allow in my own life. Does that make sense? So today I just repent of taking responsibility for what only God can do anyway. Um, But I I remember there was a time in my life where I, um, it was about 15, 16 years ago, there was a young lady in my life that I really wanted to have a relationship with and I wanted her to love me. And I remember there's only a few times in my life where I can remember God speaking to me and I remember God spoke to me one night as I was crying and God the Lord told me that, that he, he won't make anyone love him. He won't make anyone love me. And um, there's a pressure sometimes to try to convince us, can, for me to convince you to love Jesus. And um, I can only just try to lay it out there in hopes that you recognize that God is speaking to you. And so I'm going to try to say this clearly today as much as I can. We're in a series that we're doing called An Awakening because I get a sense right now that there's not been a time where the urgency of the gospel is more needed and there is um, a clutter amongst the conversation of believers that we have forgotten what the point is. A lot of stuff to talk about right now, a lot of stuff to disagree on right now, a lot of stuff, but the thing that brings us together is Jesus. And the only thing that really matters on earth is Jesus. And if we're not careful as believers, we can really miss the point. And so I feel like the, the, the illustration that the Lord has been giving me visually is like this crystal clear pool uh, with things that were thrown inside that was good for us. And we, we, we spotted them, we knew what to do, and it just got muddy with water. Mud got thrown in there, and it just got hard to understand what's going on. There's no clarity. And I feel like God wants clarity again. We're talking about an awakening right now and um, what it looks like for us to wake up and recognize that this moment in time is critical for the body of Christ. Two weeks ago, my beautiful bride, love you, anointed, Teresa, uh, she spoke a word that God had given us both, actually. It was really neat. And uh, one of the things that she was sharing was how she felt an urgency to preach um, but not because she wanted to. She recognized that God was calling her to do things in her life that she didn't want to do. And I, I don't know if you're alive yet in Christ, but that's all of us, Jack. And uh, he, the Lord is really telling all of us that he's going to ask us to do things that we're not comfortable doing and we don't want to do. And, and that's the life of being a disciple, trying to figure out how to walk on water. Uh, I don't know if I'm called to get out of this boat, Lord. Well, you are. Um, and so um, and so the call of God is bigger than us. 
Uh, and if we're not careful, we can lull ourselves to sleep and forget the responsibility that's at hand right now and just stay comfortable. Really, as an American, that is the American dream is comfort. And we find everything that we do to stay comfort. And this is an hour where we should press into everything but comfort. What matters most? An awakening. So we, she talked about how God was pouring his spirit out. And what I think is important is in the last days, the scripture says that the Lord will pour his spirit out on all flesh. Well, this week we're reading out of Acts chapter 1 and 2. And she was reading out of Acts 2, 1 through 7, this great outpouring of the Holy Spirit that happened at Pentecost in the upper room with the disciples when they were praying and seeking God. And this Holy Spirit poured His Spirit out. But what's really significant about that in the passage is that He didn't just pour His Spirit out on the disciples. He poured His Spirit out. And what we're we know right now is that God's pouring His Spirit on all people. And God poured His Spirit out on, on the disciples in such a way that when they went outside the lost were asking questions about what God was doing in the Christians' lives. And that's what's happening right now in society. I don't know if you know it, but the lost is asking questions because God's moving on them. The Scripture says that in the last days that there would be a, a, a great harvest of souls. And we're seeing a lot of people coming to church and visitors right now, online, a lot of people making decisions for Christ right now that, because they're asking questions, they're seeking Last week we said that one of the top Google searches a couple weeks ago was end times. Because people are like, what the heck is happening right now? I love when the world is asking the questions that the Christians only know the answers to. And let us not change the subject and talk about things that, are, that, that lead to nothing. Let's talk about eternal things, right? So God's pouring His Spirit out and the world's asking questions. And what is the Christian saying? And so that was a couple weeks ago. And then last week we talked about Revelations chapter 22 when Jesus said, Behold, I am coming quickly. And then he said again, Behold, I am coming quickly. And then he said again, Behold, I am coming quickly. And then he said again, Behold, I am coming quickly. Almost like he wanted us to know that he's coming. <laughs> the problem is, is that um, I don't know if you've ever done something that someone told you was super important but took a long time, urgency only stays there for so long. Like when Jesus looked at his disciples and said, hey guys, will you pray with me? They're like, absolutely, for three and a half minutes. And then they fall asleep. And Jesus comes back and wakes them up and says, will you not pray for it? Just give me an hour. And they, and they can't do it. He wakes them up again. I mean, how embarrassing is that? The leaders of the church can't pray. And um, there's an awakening that God's trying to do right now. He's trying to say that he's coming quickly and what we're aware of right now. I'm not just saying this on my, I mean, I talk to a lot of pastors on a weekly basis. The scriptures are very clear that in the last days there'd be a great harvest. But in the last days there would be a, 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 a deception amongst the church and there'd be a great falling away. And you have to know that any other conversation other than Jesus um, if we're getting sucked into things that are becoming really consuming culturally, it's dangerous. Yeah. And so um, my eyes have to, I'm, Lord, I'm trying to keep my eyes on you. I'm trying to keep my eyes on you. I'm trying to keep my eyes on you. Because there are things that matter to me that if I'm not careful, I, I lose focus on. My wife, my kids, my friendships. And things that matter to me sometimes fall away. And we need to wake up and recognize that we're living in a moment that's significant and requires us to be awake to be alert, and to be attentive. Does that make sense? Yes. An awakening. And we saw it here in the book of Acts, and what a lot of people that read this, um, I, 
I'm not trying to be arrogant or boastful or anything, but I've traveled a lot throughout the world, and I've traveled a lot throughout the world for Christ. And I've got to see great moves of God. And it's neat when I read the book of Acts with believers that have never seen moves of God before, and they're convinced that this was a big move of God. And it's not. We'll get into that here, hopefully. Let's pray. Jesus, please speak. Amen. All right. Uh, Acts uh, chapter 1, if you would, I asked the guys in the, in the first service, if you'd do the same thing with me, would you get out your cell phones? Everyone online, I'm thankful that you guys are, are reading and everything, and I'm going to ask you to, to turn to Acts 1, 14, and this is the, the beginning, the genesis of what's to come. So I want you to be clear, today this is more of a vision of where we're going as a church, and I want to make sure that everyone's clear. I, I think what was so crazy about the COVID for the church was a lot of people didn't see it coming and uh, this crazy like civil war that we're having and uh, there was a lot of conversations that just overswept and, and no one was ready for it. We have a plan in place uh, to grow the church and today I want to tell you all about a lot of it. Last week we gave you a little bit of it. We're going to give you a little bit more this week but we're actually going to tell you about three things that's significant that we're starting next month that we think is going to be crucial to the development of believers here within our church. Does that make sense? Cool. <clears throat> in the book of Acts chapter 1, verse 14, what we see is before God poured His Spirit out in Acts 2, verse 1. Everyone is, I hope everyone is aware of Pentecost when God poured His Spirit out. Prior to that, what happened was they all met together constantly, united in prayer. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer. Well, who? Well, it, gives the, it tells of the 12 disciples, and it speaks of uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and it says there were other significant women that met here in verse 14. You guys see that? Okay. Acts 1, 13, uh, 14 says of the, these 12 men. Now, what is important to this that I think is important for you to understand is that men are significant in the body of Christ. Now, there is a boastfulness that would imply that men are greater or more important, and that is clearly defined in this scenario, that these men were not alone, that they were not the only leaders amongst the church and should not be. And if you disagree with that, um, you're an idiot, and um, you can go on your way. I mean, I don't know how to tell you. I don't know how many times I've tried to get men to pray, and, and um, they've fallen asleep at the wheel. And so I'm thankful for the work and the laborers that we have in women in Christ and what they've done carrying the gospel and furthering it throughout the kingdom. Anyways, but I do know that men are significant. And uh, I do know that the enemy has been after men's callings for a long time. And so we're going to make a plan for that. The ladies in our church already have a women's ministry. It's, it's led by Amanda Walker, a.k.a. Pogo. Pogo. Don't you know? She's in uh, uh, Tallahassee today with her family, and so uh, we're thankful for her and calling that God's. But we're, the men are going to start what we're going to call a men's mentorship program. And, uh, and I find it here because it says that they got together and were constant in prayer. What I know is that men struggle, and they struggle to maintain passion, uh, but men have a, have a great sense of pride within them that I don't need anything. I don't need that. That's hogwash. Uh, in fact, Jesus wouldn't even give them an assignment to do alone. 
He didn't trust them to ever be alone. He made sure that there was someone going with them at all times. So listen, you're going with this dude, and then when you come back, y'all are going to hang out and figure out and work this thing out together, all 12 of you. We need each other. And what I'm aware of right now is that within men, um, we have an ability to just be believers. But it is the mission statement. The highest aim of our church is to make disciples for Jesus, not believers. There are a lot of people that believe in Jesus, and I'm grateful for people that believe in Jesus that attend our church. But please understand that God didn't want any of us to just become a believer, but become a disciple. Someone that becomes like Jesus in speech, in faith, in tenacity, in prayer. And these things that the disciples learned, they had to then hold each other accountable. Remember, it wasn't just four or five weeks ago, they didn't even know how to pray for an hour. And now we find them engaged in prayer on a daily basis because of the accountability they had within each other. So we're going to start a men's mentorship. It's on the app right now, and I'd encourage everyone in this church. I think everyone of all ages needs, needs to be in a men's mentorship program. And uh, we're going to start something where we meet once a month for three hours in, in, uh, in groups. S- easy programs. Anyways, go on the app right now and, and click yes. I'm interested in it, and we'll send you some information. But I'm asking that every guy in our church, whether you're on the stage, you're on a board, you're on everything, I believe that God is asking us to be in, a, in an accord and to pursue the Lord and not allow anyone to be passive right now in a day where we need to be awoken. Does that make sense? Awake. Whatever. Okay. That didn't sound right. All right. Anyways, so we're going to move on. Second thing that we're going to start doing right now, I said that one, uh, that's one that we're starting. I didn't tell you about that last week because I didn't want to overwhelm you with too many new things. But we're starting a fast this Saturday, and uh, I'm really excited about it. I'm going to ask you guys to fast with us, with me, for 21 days. What? Yes, you can. You can do it. And it's actually crucial right now because of how much we're overwhelmed with by social media. Brady, Lacey, would you guys come? I asked uh, Brady and Lacey, who I look up to spiritually and hold myself accountable to, um, to explain uh, some of the things that we want to do with the fast. And so... Uh, Brady and Lacey, I believe both have some words for you as well. Yes. Um, for the first service, when, when I uh, started this, I kind of messed Lacey up because I read a verse that God impressed on me, and I want to read it to you guys too. Um, this is really timely, and I feel like he gave it to me yesterday, and uh, I just really felt impressed to read this verse to you guys in, in light of what's, what's starting uh, Saturday. Uh, this is from Romans 13, and just before this passage, Paul's actually talking to the Romans about uh, obeying authority and then loving your neighbor. Uh, and it's important because he actually references it right at the beginning of this passage. He says, and do this, knowing the time, and now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, and the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly, as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Another translation that says, clothe yourself in Jesus, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. It's super important when we fast, and we're trying to get rid of that flesh to understand why. Um, You didn't really mess me up. It just was ironic. (laughs) <laughs> and the Holy Spirit, because he also gave me a verse before we came up. <laughs> um, so really quick, I want you to think for me, if you have ever been to a matinee movie, when you walk into the movie theater, it's the middle of the day, you walk in, 
and you can't see anything, right? It's super dark. Takes you a minute. You have the little like lighted pathways that go that you're like trying to scoot your way through. Um, but what happens once you've been in that theater for a while? Your eyes just slowly adjust to the darkness, right? You get to the point where you can you can see what's happening around you. You can see everything um, until then. You walk outside after the movie and you're completely blinded by the light because <laughs> your eyes have adjusted so well. Um, so in First Thessalonians 5.5, 5, it says, For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. So something that we as a church feel is so important is the tools the Lord has given us to stay alert and clear-headed. And one of those tools is fasting. So we're going to all join together as a church starting August 1st. So that's next Saturday. Um, we are going to start a church-wide fast, which is wonderful because we can do it all together and, and, and do this. So we want to invite you to start with us. And some of the practicals of that is that we would like to ask you to, to fast one meal a day. Um, which I'll talk a little bit more about, but mainly because even if you have health restrictions and things of that nature, most everyone can skip one meal a day. And then to um, fast social media, media, TV, and or any combination of the above. Um, so how many know that media has gotten a little loud in our life over the past few months? Um, so what we want to do is just choose to silence that for a while and choose to set our eyes before the word of the Lord. Um, I just want to caution you not to fill that time with something else. Um, we are creatures of habit, and so we look to, to do some similar things, and so we may look to fill our time that we would have spent watching TV with something else more productive, but just please remember that it's a great, great time to pursue the Lord. Um, I also want to suggest that you decide before you leave today that you're joining us on this fast. Um, it's not something we want to pressure you into, but invite you into. But I guarantee you next Saturday is going to roll around and you're going to be like, eh, do I really need to fast? I mean, I'm not on social media that much. I don't, eh. you know, so just decide today. Decide. Set an alarm for 731, July 31st to remind you that we're starting the fast on Saturday, but also so you can go and silence all your notifications. <laughs> you don't need to be bombarded with notifications when you're not going to be on anyway. So silence those notifications, move those icons over, move them third screen, fourth screen, away from you, um, are just some suggestions to help. Um, one thing about fasting a meal that's so important is um, many of us know if we are um, fasting food, our body gets very loud, right? Our physical body will tell us we're hungry. If we're not feeding it, it'll just get louder and louder and louder and louder. Um, our spirit is the complete opposite. So if you're not feeding your spirit, what happens is it gets quieter and quieter and quieter until you're not quite as hungry as you once were and you're not looking to the word like you once were. And so what we can do is tell our bodies, oh, nope, you don't run the show. I know you're hungry. I know you're going to be loud, but I'm going to allow my spirit to grow in this season. And as you feed your spirit, what happens? Your spirit gets more and more hungry. You start longing for more things of the spirit, more things of the word, more time with the Lord. And so we just want to encourage you with that one meal a day. When you start feeling those hunger pains and your body is telling you, you need food, just, nope, I'm sorry. We don't need food right now. What we need is for my spirit to grow more hungry. So um, we'd love for you to join us in that. 
And one of the things we want to encourage you to do is set aside a time each day where you, um, in your home, you get together with whoever lives with you, your family, your children, your roommates, whatever it may be, uh, or just yourself, and really set aside a time where you can do three things, where you can worship, and you can read scripture, and you can pray. And that doesn't have to be super complicated. We want it to be um, not easy, but we want it to be something that you can do and not um, fear beforehand or not uh, feel like you're not adequate to do this. So just find a worship song on Spotify, YouTube, whatever it is, and just set aside that time and worship. Worship for a song, maybe two songs, whatever you want, uh, but really try to enter into the presence of God in your home. Um, And then have a passage of scripture that you read. Um, You can read it with your family, your children. And what's cool about that is after you read the passage, just think about what stood out to you in that passage. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. And ask your your family, your kids. It's going to be interesting to see what your kids say stood out to them in some of these passages. Um, And it's a really good way to get that thought in you for the rest of the day, and you can meditate on that. Um, And then prayer. Uh, Take prayer requests from whoever's with you. And um, what's cool is it's a great opportunity to teach Children, or even whoever's with you, your roommates, that God's not a vending machine. What we do is when we enter into prayer, we, we begin with thanksgiving and praise, and then we submit to him, and then we can make our requests known to him. And it's a great way to teach people how to, how to really get into that. Um, and it's just, we, what we want is we don't want this to be like a religious experience for you. We want this to be the Holy Spirit in your life. And we want it in your home, which is even better. So thank you, guys. Check, check. All right, so, um, yeah, and this is something that we try to do within our house. Um, when we do the worship, uh, we let the kids pick a song. Um, and uh, what's your favorite worship song that you do at church or these kinds of things? Uh, but it's good to model prayer and urgent prayer. So you can choose to be casual prayer or you can choose to be um, fervent, but they will do what they see modeled. And, um, and so this isn't kids that don't know how to pray, it's because they don't see it. And um, so, anyways, I, I know so many families that say, I would love to, to pray in our homes. Well, that's cool. We're going to set it up for you. Three simple things. One worship video. Do it on YouTube, on your TV. One passage of Scripture. Any passage. Preferably New Testament. Um, I, I think it's a parable of Jesus would be best in a time of prayer. So we talked about men's ministry. We talked about fasting that we're going to start this Saturday. What we know is before God moved on the earth, in a great outpouring, which he said he's going to do again in Acts chapter 2, right? He said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So what we know that happened in the upper room and just outside is, is happening throughout the world right now. It started when people decided to get together and pray and seek God. And I believe that what we need to see is God move in our homes more than ever. Yeah. More than ever. The Lord is supposed to move in our houses. This isn't just a church thing where we come and he moves here. He's alive and he wants to be with you. So what we're trying to do is make disciples. And I am under the impression right now that we, a lot of people have just stopped moving altogether. And I'm, I'm trying not to be overly passionate right now where I'm like enthusiastic and running and jumping. But I, I just get a sense that we stopped reading, and we stopped praying, and we stopped seeking, and that stops today. So today, I'm, I'm, I'm sounding the wake-up call, and we're going to pray, and we're going to seek God. So in the book of Acts, when God launched his church, there was an outpouring in the upper room, and then this happened. So this is what we want our church to look like. I'm going to read a passage to you. I'm going to tell you some of the vision of our church, some of the goals that we have, 
and what we see happening moving forward. You guys still with me? I find this to be super duper awesome because the greatest organization in the world is exploding right here. I'm in Acts chapter 2 right now, verse 41, and the scripture says, And then those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day were about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers that met together were in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold all their property and possessions and shared their money with those that were in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those that were being saved. One, it's, um, I've met with several people that have thought, man, like that's huge. 3,000 people got saved. Uh, so uh, there's a cool video online. I'd, I'd love for you to check out, YouTube it. Uh, we've played it here several times. Uh, Reinhardt Bunky is the guy's name. He just passed away this last year. And you can see videos of him uh, where he's preaching to somewhere between three and five million people. And more than a million people commit to Jesus in a single service. It's like nothing your eyes have ever seen to see millions of people gather. You type in Reinhardt Bunke, Lagos, Nigeria. It rips your heart out. We think, man, this is so cool, 3,000 people. I can't tell you how many scenarios I've been in, countries around the world, where an entire country and a president declares their, their country is going to repent and come to Jesus. And, and we've been in multiple mission trips where we're, we're, we're bringing five, 6,000 missionaries to go reach an entire nation in a day. And we're living in a day and an age right now where we've never seen the gospel advance like, we, like it is right now. Well, for the church to shut down right now can't happen. And so what we're doing right now is putting together our strategy to advance like never before. And we believe, actually, this passage has been the, the genesis of our church. We've always wanted our church to look like this. So we, we founded our values out of this. You guys, on our website, we talk about these values in all of our videos. We have four values in our church. Values is, is, is who we are at our core, what we hope you see in us. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. We have four values. One is the Word of God. We hope that every time you come to church, you hear the word preached, and I believe you should see it in every believer. You should hear believers talking about the scriptures in their life. It's a value of who they are. Two is the Holy Spirit. We believe that you should see the Holy Spirit flow in our church, and you should see the Holy Spirit flow in my life, and I should see the Holy Spirit flow in your life because you're marked by the Spirit of God in your life. Does that make sense? And three, we think generosity is something that should be happening in, in, within our church. You should see our church giving. This last week, we had the privilege of cutting a check and helping a ministry go to, up to Michigan and, 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 do, and do evangelism. We want to give all the time, and we think that you should be givers. We should be givers. It's a marksmanship of Christianity. Yeah. Mother Teresa said, you can give without loving, but you can never love without giving. It's who God is. He gave his son. We should give. Fourth one is relationships. And this is a big one that's under attack. And it's going to be hard for the church to move forward if we aren't together. 
This is the way the Lord designed is for us to be together, be together, be together. There are moments that we have with God where we're alone, but then we come down off that mountaintop and we're with people and we explain what God's doing in our life. Does this make sense? And so four values, word, Holy Spirit, generosity, relationships. This is who we are. Well, we also have four goal, like goals that we're trying to do on a weekly basis in where we are. And I find it in this passage. So this is the goals of our church. We want to see everyone come to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. What I mean by that is every day in the first service this morning, we had several people that made a decision for Jesus, and I believe a few of them would have said it for the first time today. There is a drawing when God is calling you to love Him, call Him to understand that there is a purpose for your life, and that purpose is not to have a great career, that purpose is not to be a good person, that you were made for Him. That's your destiny, is to know your creator. There is so many people that said that there's a, there's a God-shaped hole in our heart. He, he left a void in us that can only be fulfilled by him. And that's why we'll, we'll wander the earth looking for purpose until we know God. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one will get to the Father except through me. Jesus is your destiny. We want you to know God. We find this here in the passage. I'm going to show it to you in a minute. The second thing, what I know is the next level for you, God isn't first calling you to come to him fixed. He ain't worried about that. You can't fix yourself. Trust me. I've tried it so many times. He wants you to come to him as you are, and then he'll work on freedom. But there are people that have been in the body of Christ for a long time and have not processed, and they haven't worked on the stuff that's broken on the inside, the hurt, the shame, the guilt, the condemnation, the anger, the rage, the pride. And there are these areas of our life that keep us bound from moving forward in freedom. And the whole purpose of Jesus coming to earth is that we would know salvation, that we would know freedom in the inner man, that we would be whole, not just physically, but within our soul. I've seen so many miracle signs and wonders, blind eyes opening and deaf ears opening and bones put back together. And I'm telling you, I think miracles are cool, but it's so much cooler to see souls mended. Physical healing on the inside. And the third thing that God wants to do in your life is discover purpose. Who the heck am I? What am I doing? What is inside of me? God, what do you want to use? Like a car wasn't made to be a beautiful car and sit out in the parking lot. It was made to be driven. I heard a guy say once that he had this special guitar that he had and uh, he had always had it tucked away and one day his kid that was learning how to play guitar got his sacred guitar out and it got a scratch and he got so enraged and he realized that it was okay because it wasn't actually serving its purpose being locked away forever. Its purpose was to make sound and to make noise, and there are going to be moments where it gets scratched and dinged up because it's fulfilling its purpose. No, some of us don't know our purpose, but God wants to not just have relationship with us, but move in 
upon us to do things for his kingdom. This is a disciple. Behold, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Well, what the heck do I do with them? You've got to know who you are first. And the fourth thing that God wants to do in every believer, and I see it in this passage, I'm going to read it to you again, is make a difference. And man, there are so many believers that made a difference 20 years ago, five years ago, or are dreaming of one day that God will use me to do something cool. And you have to understand, you are the light of the world. He didn't call you to just be a believer. You are significant in this day and age. You are your kids' heroes, and we're just tapped into the TV, just zoning out, doing nothing, coasting, sleeping. And the thing, like, there should be passion inside of us that says, man, this moment counts. Well, if your alarm clock went off right now, what is significant about this moment in your life? What, what is it that God's waking you up to do and to accomplish? So four things. Know God. Find freedom. Discover purpose. Make a difference. Let me show it to you right here in the church. We're going to start uh, house churches here in August. And I'm pumped about it, man. I'm so pumped. I'm, before I read this verse, I've got to tell you what a house church is again. A house church is, uh, is a connect group, right? We've done connect groups before, but it's different. Connect groups, uh, the nature of a connect group was for discussion, to talk. But a house church is we want you to, your house, to convert it into, I saw it online, this guy, this guy said, what we want to see is, is, is kingdom embassies all over the city. Little, little sacred grounds of God's kingdom or heaven on earth. What we want to see is, is your house converted into a place where God moves. And what I, I think is so funny is the way criticism works in today's days. So television taught us this and life has taught us this to point out flaws in everyone. There are so many people that are professional church members that look at church services and go, you know what's missing? They just don't heal the sick like they used to, or they don't prophesy like they used to, or they don't let the spirit flow like they're used to. You know why you see that? It's not wrong that you see that. It's actually 100% correct. You know why you see it that way? Because you're supposed to do it. It really is your calling. The Jesus that you see is the Jesus you're supposed to be. The reason why some people want to see evangelism happen more in the church is because that's your calling. Do it. The reason why some people want to see the prophetic flow, because that's your gifting. Do it. The reason why some people want to see more people love and be graceful, and it's because you're a pastor. Do it. Well, we need more teaching brought back to the church. You just don't feed us like you used to. Wait a second. Like, Paul goes over this. Like, you're not a spiritual babe anymore. My job isn't to breastfeed you. You are an adult. Grow up. Put your big pampers on and read your Bible. Teach yourself a little bit. And so I think the frustration that we have with the church, we're missing the goal. Like, we're supposed to come. This is a, this is a big net that we cast. And you have an assignment. And what's significant, the kingdom of God is always opposite of the way this world works, Right? So check this out. Most um, um, organizations that, that, that grow, their job is to explode. When the kingdom of God explodes, it actually does the reverse effect. So it starts out with 3,000 people, and the way that they make more is they make less. What do you mean? 
the largest church in the world is in Seoul, Korea, right? Dr. Cho. Uh, and I think that there's more than 150,000 people in his church. And they don't have service. They're small groups all over South Korea. Because that's the, like, that's the nature. Like, the idea is let's get smaller with this thing. We have to get, so God explodes. We see 3,000 people saved. And now, how do we grow the people? Be anointed. What you have friends and family that will never come to a church. They'll come to your church. You're preaching next week. Be anointed. And so what we're going to do is equip you with some materials. We're going to give you worship. We're going to give you a, a message uh, we're going to give you a conversation and we're going to give, so there's three things that we want every house church to do. We want you to worship together. We're going to pre-record some worship. And if you want more worship, your service, you can have more, some more worship right after that. It's good. Uh, and, uh, if you, you want more, uh, teaching, so we're going to give you some, you want more, go for it, add to it. Every house church has worship. It, it has the word and it has prayer. And you want more prayer at your house church? Fantastic. Pray it out, man. Bring it down. Go for it. Do it. We want it. We want to see this happen. So I'm going to read it to you again. I'm going to show you these four things. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. Uh, and then those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day were about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to then to fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place. They shared everything they had, and they sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those that were in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. Each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those that were being saved. This is what the church should look like. I think we, we've tried to do a version of this, and we just have to get back to the basics. Be the church. Yes. I am begging you, for the sake of an end-time harvest, be the church. The Scripture says that God gave, that He raised up pastors, apostles, evangelists, teachers, to equip saints to do the work of the ministry. The idea that would be wrong is if you thought, I do ministry. If you're a believer in Jesus, your calling is to become like Jesus, to do the same things Jesus did. Jesus would teach in his ministry that you would do greater things than him. But I don't see greater things. That's what today's the day we start. Where are miracles at? Miracles happen. I've seen so many miracles. Well, you may not be seeing them because you're not actively praying for them. Well, we got to start. And, we, and it's okay if you have a service and no one shows up. Have another one. Have another one. Fall off the bike. Scrape your knee. Do it wrong. But let's start doing what God is calling us to do. We got to stop watching church. We got to start being the church. Cool. Here we go. Know God. In, in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, those who accept it were baptized, and about 3,000 of them were added to, to, the, to the church that day. There are people right here, right now, watching online, that God is calling you into a relationship, and you can feel it. 
It's like you know that purpose is arriving in your life for the first time right now. There is people right now that God is saying, I want you to find freedom. I, I, I didn't know what freedom was. I thought freedom was just like free will. No, freedom is, is, is peace. It is, is, I'm not afraid of man's opinion. I'm not afraid of, uh, of failing. I'm not afraid of, 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 of being sick. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm not afraid. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I, I am zealous to move forward. There's no f- nothing like, there's no shame, guilt, bondage that's holding me back. I am, find freedom in your life. And some of us are bound right now. We love Jesus. But there's things going on in our closet that we don't want people to know about. I don't want people to know how I, how I treated that person. Or I don't want people to know what I watched before I came here. I don't want people to know about this secret relationship I have. Or I don't want people to know what I'm giving or what I'm not giving. Or what I'm... Just be free. And that comes in Jesus. And it comes in the scripture. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayer. And everyone was filled that many signs and wonders were performed by the apostles. These signs and wonders, man, it was so much more. There was a freedom because they devoted themselves to teaching. Many of us are believers and the word of God is absent in our life. Please don't let me be the only time you hear preaching in your life or, or hear hear the scripture because what if I'm off what if I bumped my head what if my opinion is wrong what if read it for yourself find God's all right I got to keep going third thing is that they discovered purpose they sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need what I love about this man is like purpose in my life is when I realized that my life isn't my own like God made me and my, I, I have a voice. I, there's things inside of me that, are, that you don't have. There are things in you that I don't have. And you're special. Like, I'm not saying that because it's a cute thing. The reality is we are the body of Christ. Yeah. And you're weird for a reason. Some of you are super opinionated. There's a gift for that. Some of you, (laughs) some of you just have crazy amounts of joy or crazy amounts of generosity, or some of you are just are are just have faith, or some of you are are super outgoing. There's a reason why God made you the way you are, and it's not for you though. It's for the body. Uh, I my body needs this little finger to work. Um, What would I do without my big toe? telling you, it, my life would be weird without my big toe. I think about that all the time. I swear I pray about it often, and I'm thankful for it. And so they realized that they had pop property and possessions that they were holding on to, that it wasn't changing their life. It was just good for them, but, but it, would, it would revolutionize someone else's life. And so they said, I'm going to give up everything that I have to help everyone who has need. There's this rumor in the church that you should tithe, that you should give 10% of your income. Please don't buy that. God doesn't want 10% of your income. He wants 100% of your income. If you fall into the trap that I I just give this to God, then you'll fall into the trap that I just give Sundays to God. Then you'll fall into the trap that I, I I just do devotions with God. But he wants your life. He wants your thoughts. He wants your heart. He, and the reason why he wants your money is not because he needs your money. He wants your heart. Yeah. The problem is we love money a lot more than we think we do. Oh, yeah. and so that's why he's after it. And that's why he wants you to be generous. And that's why he wants you to give to that lady and help this couple and do this. Because we love money more than we would like to believe it. And there is freedom 
when you write that check and you help those people and you say, hey, you know what? God has a plan for you. God bless you. You walk away going, dang, I'm rich. And you didn't know it. You just got more poor and you just got rich. Amen. It's kingdom, man. So weird. Make a difference. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. And they're just living their life so happy. And then it says this, and then the Lord added to their number daily. They just committed to being together and that made a difference. And it brought more people into the kingdom of heaven. Long story. Here's what you need to know. Men, I need you. I need you to step up. I need you to be accountable. I need you for your family. I need you to grow. I need you to stop sitting where you're at. Sign up for a group. Um, I need everyone to fast. Not because I need you to fast. Because you need to love Jesus more than you love everything else in your life. Someone once said, we give up things we love for things we love more. We say we love Jesus with all of our heart, but the couch is so comfortable. We give up things we love for things we love more. I'll sacrifice food because I want to love Jesus. And what happens when I start fasting? I hate it. I'm so miserable. My wife hates it when, I, when we say we're <laughs> fasting. But my soul is in love with Jesus. And that I'm a better human afterwards. Not during, but afterwards. <laughs> After. <clears throat> and the last thing is, um, there's some people here that God's calling to make a difference. On your app, we're saying, I'm interested in leading a house church. Uh, if you sign up for that, we'll reach out to you and talk to you more about what the coaching's gonna look like when we launch late August. Does that make sense to everyone? Rachel. I'm so confident that God is moving in this room right now, and I'm so confident that God is calling people to purpose. I'm, I'm going to end this differently than I did in the first time. In the first service, I, I was specific on all of them, but I think right now God wants a general one, and that's, it's odd, I know, but there's some people right now that God's calling you to purpose, and you don't have it. There's some people right now that God is saying, I need you, you know your purpose, start doing it. And there's some people right now that are stuck, in stuff going on in your mind and in your heart and in your soul. And it hurts. And there are some people right now that God is calling you into a relationship with Jesus. Would you, every head, would you, would you bow your heads and close your eyes, even online right now? I'm talking to everyone right now. I believe that the Lord wants to move in your life to another level. I don't want to stay where I'm at. I want to walk with you, God. I don't believe that I'm called to just be where I am, but you're calling me to something. We can feel it right now by the power of your Holy Ghost. If that's you, and the Word of God is ministering to you about one of these four areas, will you raise your hand right now? only one I get a sense I need to be specific about. If you're here today and you'd say, I feel like God is calling me to know him like I've never known him before, maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time in a long time. If that's you, I just want to be specific with that prayer. 
If that's you, will you raise your hand one more time? I thought so. And I'm proud of you. And I want to pray for you right now. That the Holy Spirit would fall upon you right now. Father, I ask for forgiveness for the things we've done wrong. And I ask that you would cleanse us from our past. And that today would be a new day. I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would fall upon them right now. And that you would confirm that you love them. And that you are here with them right now. And that you are going to lead them and speak to them tomorrow and today. And you're going to nudge them. Would you have your way in their life? In Jesus' name. If you raised your hand, uh, me and my wife, we're going to be down front here, and I'd love to talk to you after service. Be powerful. For all of us, I believe that God's calling us higher. We just want to take a moment and sing this song before we go. Lead me further into
Jesus. Man. There's just such peace when God is, when we're in the Lord, in the presence of the Lord, under the shadow of his wings, there's rest. And I, I just, you know what, I'm, I don't think we're done yet. If you're here and you, you, there's commotion, there's anxiety, there's frustration, there's warfare going on within you. You got to surrender something. He is the prince of peace. In him there is rest. Like there is, oh man, it is. I want to be lost in Jesus. Richie, sing that um, let the things of earth. I pray rest over you. Waves of the Holy Spirit, waves of the Holy Spirit, waves of the goodness. God loves you. He loves you. He's not your enemy. He, he cares for you. Like you are good to him. You're his son, you're his daughter. I don't even understand the heart of a father. He loves you, enjoys you. Jesus looked at the woman at the well. He said, one drink, man. You'll never be the same again. It's so crazy how a moment with God can untie so much. I'm thankful for you guys. I love you. I think um, I'm, uh, there's something inside me right now that's like saying like I'm done playing games, you know? So, like, if you've got this thing figured out and you don't, you don't need a, an accountability group, I feel like I need to be in your group. 
But we, we got to get serious about Jesus. We're living in a day and age right now where people, we, we can't be flippant. Can't wake up tomorrow and just be busy. It's got to be kingdom, man. God's moving. There's divine appointments everywhere we're going. So, anyways, I'm stoked. God loves you. He's got a plan for you. He wants to use you. And um, it'll be good. Sign up for the men's group, the women's group, fasting. You ain't got to sign up for that. Just, uh, and then um, house church. I love you. Father, I bless your people today in the name of Jesus. I thank you that you are with them. And for those that made decisions today for the first time, I'm thankful, God, that you are speaking now that your voice is present in their life in ways that it hasn't been before. So you're going to reveal things that they didn't know before. You're going to nudge them to be kinder, to, to be more generous, to, to speak a kind word. And there may be things that may be out of order, but you are the Lord and you're with us. And I'm thankful that you're speaking. We bless your church to be fruitful and multiply. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Have fun.